Tonight's guest, Aaron Hockley, can be found at socialphototalk.com. And Irk can be found at channelirk.com. This is Radio Havana, Cuba. This is Radio Pinyang of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. This is Moscow. Once again, it's Napod Pomo. Um, it's currently uh, the second uh, of November, and I'm here with you. I'm uh, Doctor Normal, and uh, I'm wearing my uh, my hat from Australia, and you'll 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 get why uh, in a minute. It's really annoying, trust me. Um, but that's how we roll here. I think it's time to uh, bring in our guests, our first guest. We'll introduce them both uh, to Crazy Talk. Our first guest via Skype, ladies and gentlemen, it's Hockley. Say hello, Hockley. Hello, Hockley. That's great. Oh, and I hear that, we're... That was, that was totally predictable. You had to have seen that coming. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what we're doing here. You know, it's 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 all experimental. We're doing Napod Pomo. This is day two. Um, I'm sitting here behind the controls, and uh, we're going to talk some crazy talk. Uh, the other person we're going to bring in right away to talk some crazy talk with is Irk Bod. Say hello, Irk. All the way from Australia. G'day, Bruce. Nice hat. <laughs> you like that. <laughs> that was just for you. Needs more corks though, buddy. How can you how can you stand this, man? I mean it, now now tell me the truth. I go down to Australia, you guys are wearing these all the time, right? Right, you're walking down downtown Sydney. This is just what you wear, right? Do I got that man, right? We are really screwing with you. You know that, don't you? We don't always wear those. I do not wear that hat to work. You know what I said about this hat? I said, I bet you if the people who go down to Australia and buy a hat like this walk around as tourists and all you guys point and laugh and go, look at the tourists, man. You must be from America. Am I right? I think it's, we- what, it's what they wear while they're on their way to go drink a Foster's. Oh, God. <laughs> and that would be our first rant tonight. <laughs> that's that's Kirk's favorite beer, Foster's. The only time that I have had Foster's was in the Wasting Time studio in Chicago. Now, how's that for irony? We heard that. We heard that. Uh, uh, Someone is looking through my camera. Are you going to set the camera or are you just looking through it? I'm just 
looking. All right. Okay. <laughs> but we're having fun, aren't we? Um, yeah. So you 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 had the first time you had Fosters was in um, in the U.S. If I recall. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Richard put me up to it, and it tasted awful. Yeah, it pretty much does. Foster's tastes like, uh, like, um, you know, I don't know, something bad. I don't know. Wait, wait, I don't know what I'm doing here, man. This is a little bit early. Last night, uh, I was. I'm actually drinking tea tonight because I've got some work to do afterwards. So um, it's a little bit early for me. I, I think this show is going to roll uh, a little bit later normally. But tonight, I need to get it out of the way because I need to uh, need to uh, do some work. Damn all of those side projects. That's right. So we're here. We're here talking crazy talk. And uh, Aaron, I know you've got something on your mind to talk about. You're having a little problem with uh, with the Google. Yeah, I have an issue with the Google that was pointed out to me earlier today, and I didn't think too much of it at first. Uh, apparently, right now, when you Google for uh, social photo talk, um, the Google result that comes back it's a link to the social photo talk website, but like the page title and the snippet, um is totally unrelated to my site entirely. That hat's driving me crazy. i got to take it off. So what's going on? So (laughs) so social photo talk. uh, Yeah, so if you just Google for the word social photo talk, um, it brings back, you know, a link to my website, but the little snippet and description is for something entirely different. And the other thing that's interesting is right now Google is serving up... um, what looked to be Arabic, an Arabic AdSense box um, on one page, and then on like the single post page, as I'm seeing a banner ad for a telco in India. So, but so if I Google social photo talk right now, um, what do I get here? What is this? Well, I see your thing. What what are we doing here? If you Google social photo talk and you look at the number one result that comes back, yes, we're looking. Do at you that not? Right are you not seeing a PDF file for the Savo Lions? Yes. Yes. So when you click on that, yeah, when you click on that, you go to my site. It's like it's almost like something screwy in the Google database. So www.socialphototalk.com and it says Savo T-S-A-V-O Lions PDF Leo Frank Scattered Prey are harder to hunt and then uh, you're, you're underneath the next one so I click on this PDF and bam oh and this is your site yeah, it goes to my site it, like I said it's almost like something's askew in the Google database I uh but what's interesting is when you land on my site, if you look in the upper left corner, you'll see I've got a, an AdSense link block there. And it, at least from what I can tell, it's serving up some sort of Arabic AdSense search. Oh, there it is right there. Uh, so my, that, that almost looks like uh, Thai or I don't even know what that is. Yeah, maybe it's not Arabic. I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those, uh, you know ethnocentric Americans. I, I don't know what that is. Really? 
but uh, it, it's some sort of non-English language. So at first I kind of wondered if maybe my site had been compromised, but I've taken, you know, taken, good, speaking <laughs> of my great American language, took a good look at the uh, source code and everything appears normal. It just appears to be the Google JavaScript that displays that block is decided that it should display something in a foreign language. Hmm. So, I so, mean, have you talked to Google about it? Is there anyone you no, can talk I, uh, to Google about? I, yeah, I suppose I could submit a support ticket in through their webmaster tools, but uh, the uh, the search result thing was pointed out to me this afternoon by uh, nerdliness, Justin Stanley. Um, and I didn't think too much of it at the time, but then I noticed the uh, AdSense block this evening, and so I don't know. We'll see if they uh, if they crawl my site again. We'll see if things change. Really? Hmm. Well, so it sounds like a technical problem that needs to be fixed. Looks like it. Apparently, I broke Google. Well, uh, we had. Um I know that uh, when, for some reason, my ISP over here uh, was rerouting all Google searches, um, that IP address was uh, South America. So for the longest time, we were seeing um, seeing Google come up in Spanish for whatever reason. Huh. And the ISP just said, well, it was reallocated, and and they hadn't, I guess Google hadn't, switched it over to uh, to English. I mean, you could go select English, but the default mm-hmm. would come up in Spanish. And this was right around the time I got the iPhone. So I had my iPhone, I'd Google on my iPhone via Wi-Fi, and bam, Spanish. So, so I learned Spanish. No. Yeah, it's a good good learning experience. Oh, man, I tell you. So, Eric, uh, what's going on in your... Uh, Neck of the woods, over there. What's your uh, what's pissing you off? I've got to say, I don't understand the point of Halloween as an Australian. How's that for topic? <laughs> That's all right. You don't like free candy? Well, I don't. I don't eat candy. I drive my train, so I don't have time to go around the streets begging people for candy when I can just go to the shop and buy some. At least I'm guaranteed of getting some that way. Right. Well, so, I mean, but you guys, do you guys trick-or-treat down there? Some some people do. When I was driving home from work the other day, there were some people who were trick-or-treating. Um, most of them were just dressed as witches. And some people had even walked a couple of miles between my place and where I saw them. Uh, just trick-or-treating. I just don't understand the whole point. Maybe you can explain it for me, Doc. Well, who's who's trick-or-treating, though? I mean, it's not really an Australian holiday, is it? Well, that's the thing that a lot of people are frustrated about over here. It's an American tradition that we don't understand, yet people are using it as an excuse to dress up. People are using it as an excuse to go around to people's houses begging. But the thing that really irritates me is that 364 days of the year out of 365, you tell your children, don't accept things from strangers, don't talk to strangers, and then what happens on Halloween? Oh, let's go to all the strange places in the neighbourhood and ask for candy. I don't understand it. Well, 
What, what do you think about that, Aaron? I mean, did your kids go trick-or-treating this year? Oh, yes. they uh, Actually, this was the first year that Brooklyn went. I think last year she absolutely did not want to go, did not want to go. And then I think after the fact, she finally figured out that, oh, well, one of her parents would go around the neighborhood with her. I think she thought she just had to go out completely on her own, you know, at age four. Um, so, yeah, she went out, and both her and Lars got a big old bucket of candy this year. So they were quite successful. And now we have to retrain them that the other 364 days, they're not supposed to go out and take candy from strangers. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you don't you don't have a conflict with that, do you? Oh, no. It's all just fun. Actually, it, this is kind Most of... Most holidays, you just really shouldn't overanalyze them. Exactly. You know what cracks me up is that uh, today, uh, I was walking on the street with my kid, and uh, and a guy sitting outside of a bar smoking cigarette offered my kid candy. <laughs> she was like, "No thanks. No, it's cool. Thanks. No. Oh, you want candy eyeball? It's like, no thanks." So we we're like, "She's got enough. It's 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 okay." It was funny though. I mean, and she was just like, "No, I'm not gonna take it from the from the stranger over there." But uh, but Halloween's a great uh, holiday. Some people uh, like it. Some people uh, hate it. Um, I like it. There's a lot of good, you know, we've got all sorts of fun, uh, things, uh, going on, um, around the holidays. So it's one of my favorites. The one I don't like is Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, it's like sit around with a bunch of family you could care less about. And, uh, and then, um, you know, and then, uh, uh starve yourself to death. And it's on a Thursday. What's up with that? I don't know. I was just going to find a twit pic of uh, Cami Chaos on uh, Halloween that I sent out, and I ended up on the front page, and there's quite a young uh, gal in her bathing suit in the uh, in the um, shower there, I think. Oh, yes. Please be sharing that, Doc. <laughs> yeah, go and send that one out, too. People might find it amusing. Yeah. Um... You might get more listeners. Well, I was trying to find Cammies. Uh, she do. was a bloody nurse or something. So, I don't know how... I guess the users on TwitPick don't... You don't actually use usernames on TwitPick. How do you just, like, go... Like, if I go to Twitter, I can say Twitter, and then... Uh, oh, jeez. I'll have to you send... Got, did Twitpick.com slash user slash username. Well, uh, I just 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 so you know, uh, twitpick.com uh, slash photos uh, slash unique and jazzy, just for future reference. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go away. Yes. Goodbye. I, I keep having someone coming down wanting to be on the show, and I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. All right. She so needs let's... another podcast, I think. Okay. Dr. Normal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We all need more podcasts, don't we? So, Come on, uh, Doc. I... Here we go. Um, so we'll just pull that up there. And uh, there's uh, there's Cammy uh, during one of the uh, festivities there. And this is good for the listeners. 
Is it supposed to be for adults too, or is it only supposed to be for the kids? Oh, believe me. <laughs> it's, uh, maybe I should report that image. Uh, believe me. The one of Cammy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, it's more fun when it's the adults, Eric. Trust me. You, you know, we, cause it was on a, f- a Saturday night here, uh, in, uh, in the U.S. And, uh, so, that means that um, there was a lot of um, parties, and uh, one of the parties was the por- annual Portland Erotic Ball. So you can make of that what you want there, Irk. So you tell me that you don't like Halloween, buddy. When it's put to me like that, well, who knows? But the way that I saw it on the weekend, no thank you. <laughs> and... Uh, and we were at the um, the Rose City uh, at the uh, uh, roller derby party, and it was packed. Lots of adults, no kids. Lots of people dressed up. Lots of women cops dressed up, you know, as cops. Mm. I don't know. So what else we got? Um. This show's a little slow-moving. Uh, I was pulling up the Google News. What's going on in the news today? Is Australia bankrupt yet? No, we're actually doing good. We don't have 50 million <laughs> bank failures because we don't have 50 million banks. Nice. <laughs> what are you guys up to now? Hundred and And growing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. Oh, what's? Oh. I I love it when this is why I stopped looking at Google News. You know, you scroll down, uh, Hillary Clinton, the the pictures, right? Hillary Clinton, Amina, you know, you know, Iran. <laughs> you know, it's just like, ugh. Let's see what else is going on. There's a uh, hmm. We have an election tomorrow. Do you guys have an election in Oregon? What's tomorrow? That? Do you have an election tomorrow in not, Oregon? Not that I know of. Oh, okay. We've got one here in Washington for a variety of things, but... There might have been a few after the party on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. What, well, what's the election up in uh, Washington, up in Vancouver? The of Vancouver itself, which I live outside of, is electing a mayor. So the question is whether they reelect the same guy who's been in there for like eight or twelve years, or whether they go with the new young hip guy. Or, and then there's a few uh, statewide measures. One of which, um, probably the only one that's really getting any media attention, um, will essentially do legalize. Kind of everything short of actually calling it marriage, but for uh, gay couples. So basically oh. let them have all the same benefits of people who are married this is the without new guy? them actually getting married. This is the new guy? Uh, the guy no, who- this is a, it's a statewide ballot measure. Oh, okay. Uh, unrelated to the mayor race. The mayor race is between the guy who's been there forever and the new guy who the only issue you ever hear about on the news is that he doesn't want any tolls on the new I-5 bridge. Yeah, what's up with that? How are they going to pay for that? I don't know. I, I'm that? not sure that they're ever going to actually... A 24-lane bridge now? 
I figure if they wait long enough, they won't need to build it because the other one will fall down and they'll just, but I don't know. Hey, hey. They've been talking about it for long enough. I live in Selwood, okay? <laughs> I live next I heard- to the worst bridge in America, and they still can't fund it. Ted Wheeler, I heard I'm you- following you on Twitter. I heard you guys were getting a new tax for your bridge. Yeah, yeah, great. Just turn it into a toll bridge and call it its day. I'm serious. Why not? I don't care. That way, everyone what a cra- who what a crazy all- idea! You mean make the people that use it pay for it? Like Clackamas County. Hello. Yeah. Why not? I mean, that's a Multnomah County owns the bridge, so they they're going to put a tax in for. Multnomah County, right? But right. do you think that other people who are driving, oh, say, from Washington County and Clackamas County use the bridge as well? You bet they do. So, I don't know what's up with that. Just put a toll in. Call it a day. And toll the bikers what? twice. One at each end. I think so. Actually, the the thing I saw today is that apparently the new Selwood Bridge is going to have streetcar tracks on it, even though they're not putting in a streetcar. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, uh, yes, if you pick up the local paper, that's a bone of contention as well, because then the neighborhood thinks that that means there's going to be a streetcar running through the middle of town. And, you know, I don't know. But they're like, what, we want to put it in now, because if we put in a streetcar, it'll be cheaper rather than uh, going back and reconstructing it on the bridge. So. When, uh, when Seattle built their transit tunnel something like 20 years ago, they made sure they put light rail tracks in the tunnel because eventually they knew where they were going to put light rail in there. Right. And then 20, 20 years later, they decided they were going to put light rail in, and they discovered that the tracks they laid weren't actually up to current standards, so they had to rip <laughs> out all the tracks that they never used and lay new tracks. We have an HO scale train, and we just put an N gauge. Oh, no. Uh, government planning and efficiency. <laughs> tiny, tiny little people in tiny trains. <laughs> uh, one side to the other. Yeah, this is like the train podcast we've got going on here now. Yeah. Let's, I'm talking uh, about train porn on Thursday. Where are you doing that? At Ignite Corvallis. Oh, yeah, you're going down to Ignite Corvallis. Yeah. Did we finish up on the election? Or is that just, that's just boring? We don't give a crap, right? This is, this is not, the election is not on a scale with your Google problems, I'm thinking, right? <laughs> really? Yes, yes, the world really needs to pause until the Google problems get fixed. I exactly. Mean, you know, Have you who seen cares the, the AdSense on your site? <laughs> That's not English, my friend. <laughs> We're talking real yeah. issues here. You know, ballot Help. measures and new mayors, whatever. Yes, yeah, so we'll see how the train porn talk goes. I submitted my slides already. At some point, I should figure out what I'm actually going to say to go with them. Oh, no, surely not. <laughs> that, that would be like preparing for word camp. I heard a rumor that some people did that. <laughs> yeah, by making a video and then writing the speech in the car. <laughs> oh, God, it's what we do. <sighs> 
So you're going to go yes. down uh, to Corvallis with uh, on a bus or something? Yeah, there's the uh, the party bus is leaving on Thursday afternoon down to Corvallis. So Y'all that should get be drunk. Uh, that should be amusing. Y'all walk in all drunk. That could make the talk a lot more interesting. I think so. I'd like it. I'd go check that out. So yeah, I don't know if they're uh, I don't know if they're recording or streaming. I would assume they're at least recording, but I haven't heard anything about streaming. Yeah, you know. You gotta call those guys who stream stuff if you want it streamed nicely. Yeah, I got a chuckle out of one of the comments on one of the threads on the Silicon Florist about um, oh, uh, yes. it was Venture Northwest last month or last week was charging to view their live stream, and it was explained to me in the comment section that you can produce a high quality stream for completely free. Yeah, I uh, I was a little bit and, uh, busy at the time, and I wanted to uh, comment on that because, um, yes, you can anybody can set up and stream, and you can stream a meeting or whatever, and you can open up your laptop and all that. As a matter of fact, this is a subject of an article in Ink Technology. If you'd like to look it up, um, partly uh, contributed by yours truly. Um, ah. I'll try to find that URL at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but the whole point of doing a professional stream is, you know, that it's professionally done, that the stream's not going to go down, and that you're going to have, like, more than just one camera. Um, I've and seen you're going to have bandwidth for it. Exactly. I've seen high-profile, pro- um, uh, some very high-profile uh, events that have just been a single camera in a laptop and it's, you know, kind of depressing when it, you know, it's sponsored and people are on the stream and going, when's the stream going to get up or I can't see this or, you know, so you, you know, it's, it's, you get what you pay for. I mean, if you're doing like a, um, you know, if you're doing a talk or like all the talks that happen around Portland, I mean, it's great. Uh, and it's hit and miss. Sometimes I dial in and, um, you know, there's just the bandwidth, something's wrong and someone's trying to stream it, but you can't watch the stream cause it's constantly cutting out. Um, but if you're doing a, you know, a professional talk, uh, you actually, you know, if you care about the stream, then, then you want to, you want to do that. And that, uh, you know, that was a, a stream that was, uh, sponsored. I mean, it's, uh, I think that event was like 500 bucks ahead so mm-hmm. you know that's up to the I event think, organizers how they want to do that yeah there were a couple a couple different voices of dissension there i think some people were upset that they were charging at all for the stream and then there were others like me who thought that charging 50 percent of the in-person price to view the stream seemed a bit steep mm-hmm. but you know yeah, I, thought, I think you know two hundred fifty dollars to view a live stream of a five hundred dollar event seemed a little costly to me. Right. Well, it depends on the audience too. You know, if it's a, you know, a bunch of, you know, who knows if it's venture capitalists versus techies. But you may be right. I don't think. The one thing I believe is I don't think we've figured out the pricing model yet. Overall, you know, um, right. I don't think people have applied a value 
to new media on the internet and live streaming on the inter- internet yet. I don't know. That in Portland is just a whole different place, it seems like, because there's this very strong, you know, everything should be free culture, it seems, in the area. Well, yeah, there is that. And and if you're doing that, um, you know, a, a laptop and a and a camera and hit hit and miss is uh, perfectly acceptable, you know. Um, right. It's tough. I mean, it's. It, I, I think. I think clearly, um, events will be live streamed, and you know, part part of the problem is that event organizers you run up against the thing. Well, if we live stream it, no one will come, right? No one will pay the ticket price. No one will show up. And, um, you know, it's hard to convince them that it's a different experience. It's going to be different if they show up versus interactive on the Internet or that you're streaming to people down in Brazil, for example, or Europe. Right. I mean, even though, realistically, I mean, I think anybody who's produced an event, I don't know anybody who's ever, you know done an event and seriously thought they had a bunch of people who, oh, they were going to come to the event, but they'll just watch the stream instead. I mean, I know like with WordCamp, you know, the people that were watching the stream were people who either couldn't get into the event once it was sold out or, you know, weren't able to make the whole weekend and so they just cut bits and pieces or they were too far away to travel. I mean, we had 140 people at one point simultaneously watching the stream and, you know, I don't think if I had the capacity, you know, those same 140 people would have all bought a ticket to the event. I think, Irk, you you saw a little word camp, didn't you? Didn't you get on the stream a little bit? I got on the stream for a little bit, but I'm a bit confused. $250 for a live stream or $500 to be actually there. Who's got that sort of money in this economy to be wasting for a day or a weekend? I just don't understand that. Well, the the target was investors. People who have million, millions of dollars. So. For a $250 live stream, I want to see some girl-on-girl action. <laughs> I'm quite certain that probably wasn't happening at Venture Northwest. <laughs> you know, I, I forgot to put the sub... I have... I can actually put the subjects in here, and, and I totally missed my opportunity... Um, to just put put that in here so <laughs> but yeah i mean and and maybe you'll get that opportunity Irk. <laughs> oh but i mean it's a target 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 audience and i think that um again i think the thing that we know is that the you know who who sets the pricing model like like wordcamp you could have charged for that a little bit right charge for the live stream possibly i you know i mean honestly charging for the live stream never really crossed my mind but i mean you know given that it was a 20 dollar event in the first place but yeah i mean i think there are people that would have paid a small fee to watch the live stream i don't think all 140 of them would have um but if you look at wordcamp in general the whole model of wordcamp is not really right. to make money. The whole it's model of WordCamp is just, just, you know, spread the word and build community. 
Um, you know, if I were running a conference to make money and I thought that I could charge people, you know, 10 or 20 bucks or 30 bucks to watch a live stream and enough people would pay that, then yeah, if I was trying to make money, I'd look at that. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, granted, uh, camp is a bad example because it's right. kind of a, which is probably why, you know, camps are so successful here in Portland, right? <laughs> if If you think portland has quite a free culture i mean you do pay something out but but you're paying out uh that 20 bucks you're paying out for WordCamp was for expenses for lunch and you know a, a shirt or something you know right and and you look at the you know the camp style events around portland and i mean you know i can speak that for you know WordCamp and you know the other ones that i know of i mean even the ones that do charge money that admission fee, that ticket fee, is only covering a, you know, a minority of the expenses. Most of the expenses are still being covered by sponsors. Right. So, I mean, it costs us far more than $20 a head to put on WordCamp Portland this year, but because we had a bunch of, you know, we had like 15 or 20 different sponsors that helped in some way with either cash or in-kind donations, that bore the brunt of the cost. Mm-hmm. So... And you were able to sponsor a live stream there. Yes. Actually, the live stream, it was, you know, when you're putting on a, a kind of a low-budget conference like WordCamp, um, at some point there's a lot of uncertainty because you don't know how many sponsors you're going to end up with, and so you have to kind of prioritize your expenses and make some decisions. And, you know, honestly, having a live stream was you know, was fairly low on the priority list as opposed to things like having a facility and having food and, sure. um, you know, things like that. And when we got into a position where we were able to take care of a live stream, we found a company that wanted to specifically sponsor the live stream. And so, um, you know, because of that sponsorship, you know, our live, you know, our streaming vendor was able to get compensated in some way for his time, although he provided that service at about a, th- um, about, 20% of what he would normally charge a commercial client. So even then, you know, we got a great discount on the services. And uh, again, uh, you raised the profile of the event because you had people, um, uh, and what I've seen from those streams um, at events like camps, you see people come in from, from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Oh yeah, it's it's was interesting. I you know I was down at Blog World here three or four weeks ago and ran into people down there that you know had heard of WordCamp Portland or had you know watched part of the recordings from WordCamp Portland. And these are people from across the country who I've never met or heard of before, but they've heard of the event. So you know, being able to be part of that and to be able to produce something like that is kind of cool to know that people are out there and getting value out of it. And the point is, uh, coming from the chat room, that, you know, um, people, people do get seen on this stream, and, and uh, there are people, and I've seen this up close and live, where people are on this stream, and remember, it's interactive, it's not broadcast, there's chat and, you know, Twitter and all those things going on at the same time. And uh, I've seen people ask and say, you know, who's that person? I'd, I want to talk to them, you know, um, which can lead to business and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's there's value there. I think the problem is this is such a new medium. How do you assign the value? 
that's the challenge we have right now. I mean, it's like uh, your photography, your social photography. You know, how how do I assign the value of the stuff you're posting to Flickr? Can I, right. can I borrow that? Can I use that for clip art? You know, you get into all this, all these issues. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, and it's it's kind of like the bigger issue of you know social media in general. You know, we all joke. You know, what's the ROI on being on Twitter? Um, you know, I mean, that's what all the businesses are trying to figure out now. Is you know which of these social technologies are worth spending my time and money on, and which ones are maybe just games. So, do you have the answer? I don't have a, a good answer for the <laughs> ROI on Twitter. I mean, I can tell you that I've made money based on relationships I've built of, with people I've met on Twitter that I've then sold, you know, photography services to or things like that. But, you know, I can't quantify that based on, you know, amount of time spent on Twitter. I mean, I think the best, you know, one of the best answers I've heard of, you know, what's the ROI of being on Twitter um, actually came from Justin Kistner, who you know kind of responded with, "Well, what's the ROI on having a phone?" Right. Good I mean, point. It's it's a communications medium, and there are people out there that want to use it to talk to you, and you're either going to be there or you're not. But don't don't you just hate the fact that we're all contributing content constantly, um, and some of it very good content, whether it's in your blog or or. Uh, uh, podcasting or you know or links um and uh and you're not getting paid for it you know at some point you know you gotta uh you know feed the family as it were mm-hmm. so is it yeah, all I mean, just I... a lost leader until you wait for someone with money to come along and go i want to own you <laughs> so here's a check you know I think yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think depending on what you're doing and what place you're in, I mean, you're probably going to have a different answer. I mean, for me specifically, if you look at like the photography and the social media space, I mean, it's kind of where I'm going with social photo talk is that right now I'm you know building hopefully <laughs> I'm building credibility and reputation that you know will then lead into things that I can directly monetize, and I'm kind of starting that you know that transition to monetization, you know pretty quickly here um but you know as far as other people that are out there i mean i think a lot of them are just doing it for the the community aspect of it and that they've found a network of people that they connect with and want to share things with and are learning things with in exchange but i mean i I would guess i mean i would guess you probably talk to other podcasting people and learn podcasting things even though you're probably not directly making money from you know having podcast conversations on twitter are you no, not at all. I mean, I think you, Irk, <laughs> how much money are you making? I'm lucky that I've got a well-paying government job so I can afford to podcast. But if it was uh, through sponsorships and all that sort of stuff, I would be homeless, basically. Exactly. And and you're, you're you know, you have ex- experience and uh, you're producing uh, a lot of uh, uh, good content. Do you have you don't have do you have any advertisers? Uh no, I don't have any advertisers at, at the moment and I'm quite happy actually to to keep it that way unless someone wants to put in a significant amount. Yeah, I mean it, 
and you know, even for people that are doing it kind of as a side project, side job, there are, you know, there are ways in which you can kind of, you know, you're not going to necessarily make a ton of money, but start to offset the costs and things like that. Um, you know, but so some of that is just, you know, building up connections and network and things like that. So, uh, so I want to ask each of you and I'll start with Irk first. Um, get him in here a little bit more. Uh, Irk, where do you want to take? So you're you're a podcaster. Where do you want to take that? You said you've got a fine government job uh, that pays the bills. Um, is this uh, where are you going with this? Where are you going at five years? Do you want to? leave that job and go somewhere else and do this for a living? Or are you just happy to be a part of this? Are you trying to grow a community? What's the, uh, what's the end goal, if there is one? Well, Doc, I'm quite happy doing my job. For those of you in the audience who don't know, I'm a train driver here in Sydney, Australia. So I'm quite happy doing that. The podcasting fills in and takes up a lot of time, and I know that, but I enjoy interacting with the audience and interacting with other podcasters. So at the moment, I'm trying to bring out my shows on a regular basis and I'm trying to increase the audience at the moment. And that's the sort of stage that that I'm at, even though I've been doing it for two and a half years now. There's still a lot of people who have no idea exactly who I am. And, and that's fine. But I just want to increase the audience, increase the community, and all of the other stuff that I could be distracted on, like chasing sponsorship and that sort of thing, I'd rather put that time into show prep and recording and doing all the other stuff that that you're well aware of, but the listeners might not. So, uh, but do you want it to pay for itself or eventually, or you're, you're, you're happy where it's at right now? I'm happy where it's at. I want I want more listeners. I don't think that there's anybody who wants to merely talk to themselves, and I want to increase the audience. But I don't have a lot of costs that, for instance, you do because I'm only running audio. If I could make enough money to pay for the equipment, that would be great. But I know realistically that there's a lot of podcasts out there. Um, you've got your bigger networks out there where all the money's going to go to and I suppose that I am in some sort of disadvantage because I am here in Australia um, rather than overseas in the American market I'm not sure about that hmm. yeah and I think uh, the the big difference there um, with uh, audio versus video is you you pay for the bandwidth you use in Australia and we pay for it as well, but you're actually Australia's metered, correct? Absolutely. With my previous ISP, I had a maximum of 24 gigs a month under one particular plan, and that was nearly 70 Australian dollars a month. So the limits can be quite severe. I remember when I was doing my research for ADSL2, which uh, many Americans may indeed take for granted. Our biggest ISP wanted to charge something like 50 Australian dollars for 700 megabytes. And that's just crazy talk. 
Yeah. Of course, they're talking about uh, metering and um, net neutrality here right now, so we can get into that in a minute. In a minute. Um, so, Hockley, where are you taking your social photo talk and your blogging? So, I want to make money. Um, I, you know, obviously I have a strong tech background and have been doing various forms of social media for a while. Um, and then I'm also doing, you know, the freelance photography business on the side to the point where, you know, I have a good understanding of the photography business side of things. And so, you know, my goal with Social Photo Talk is to, you know, help photographers figure out social media and to, you know, frankly, to monetize that and to figure out how can I sell services and products and things like that around those notes, you know, around that theme. Um, I mean, kind of my long-term goal would be it would be awesome if I could quit my day job and do photography and the blogging thing, you know, if that would make enough money to support, you know, to support my family and support my lifestyle. Um, you know, the social photo talk thing is pretty new. I've only been doing it for about four, four and a half months now. Um, you know, and that focus for that beginning of that was really just on building up a bunch of content. Um, kind of the next step that really is just starting right now is, you know, okay, have built up some content, have built up some, you know, reputation and credibility around that. Um, and how can I now, you know, turn that into making money? And so, you know, that's looking at things like, you know, repackaging and reselling some of that content, you know, affiliate marketing stuff, um, you know, consulting services. I've got a couple different things in the pipeline that, you know, will get announced over the next probably month or so. Um, you know, I'm starting up a podcast. We'll be recording the first episode this week, um, which, again, is just another method and medium to get the word out there and hopefully, uh, you know, become known to more people. So all of this is a, just a lost leader, all this work, in order to uh, consult with um, mainstream photographers and, you know, the mainstream to how to... Uh, uh, to how how to essentially go from traditional photography into social photography is that correct if does that make sense to a certain extent yeah yeah i mean you know the time spent producing the content um you know the money i spent to go down to blog world and meet people and network things like that yeah there's not a direct return on that money at least you know <laughs> at least not yet um but you know i think it's kind of like you know, it's like many other businesses that, you know, you've got to, you know, you have to build up a product or a brand or, you know, a measure of influence before you're then able to, you know, to charge people for that out of the gate and to build up a, you know, a reputation and some credibility that they're comfortable that you're going to provide them with some good value. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, you know, we were speakers at at WordCamp Portland, uh, you invited us to speak, and at the end mm -hmm. of the session, um, someone asked that direct question, how, how do you make money at podcasting? And, um, you know, my, my answer was pretty simple, um, and I'm still not sure if it's the right answer yet. I haven't figured it out, but uh, the, the answer that came to mind uh, was consulting. 
that just like you're saying this is all kind of a lost leader you you can uh, you can sell advertising um and as your viewership goes up um and as you make a case for advertisers um especially in uh what marketing folks call a high touch environment um you can do that but uh but the end game there is then it doesn't it looks just like broadcast at the end of the day i mean no matter what you're doing you know it'll it'll you know if you accept enough advertising you know right um at a level that broadcast gets if you're dealing with those numbers you could uh you know it turns into a television but uh the consulting piece of getting traditional advertising and traditional clients to understand both the uh, social media aspect um, and also the technology, um, I think is a very sound business plan, at least right now, um, Mm -hmm. as people move into it. It won't be forever. Um, And I I mean, yeah, and I think anybody who's working in this space realizes that, you know, things change quickly. I mean, even... You know, talking to some of the, you know, the big name professional bloggers who, you know, they blog for a living and they make a really, you know, a six figure income from blogging every year. Um, just talking to them, they're, you know, have said things like, you know, AdSense used to make me twice the amount of money that it does now because, you know, AdSense isn't making them as much money anymore. And so, you know, they've had to kind of diversify and change up their income streams. And I think one of the things that's interesting um, that came out of a few different discussions I've had in the last couple of months is that when you look at people that are making their money with blogging and content production and podcasting is that they have, you know, they have many smaller revenue streams and it's not like, Oh, well, I make my money off of, you know, AdSense or I make my money off of sponsorship. It's, you know, they make a little bit of money off AdSense and a little bit off of a sponsorship and some more off of this affiliate program that they do. And, you know, maybe another chunk of their income comes from eBooks or other sort of, you know, premium products that they sell. And so, you know, it's not like there's just one check they get every month. It's, you know, they've found different income streams to help, you know, that all surround their kind of core, their core business or their core focus, but they have a lot of different sources of it. Right. Yeah, it, it's a lot of different uh, sources that are um, smaller, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, and that's a good, that's a very good point. Um, you also make the point about AdSense. Um, it seems like, you know, the you know, 10 years ago on the web, right, you know, AdSense and these sort of banner ads, and these are the sorts of ways that people made lots of money uh, on the net. And of course, as more and more people and companies jump into that, um, the pile of money uh, gets uh, lower and lower. And, you know, I mean, the the pot of money uh, empties out, um, uh, you know, it's like the trick-or-treating kids, right? You know, the first kids show up, they get three pieces of candy. By the end of the evening, you're doling out one piece of candy or breaking a candy bar in two. Who knows, right? And that's where we're at with AdSense. That's where we're at with the uh, banner ads. Now, the situation we're in now with multimedia, with uh, 
you know, photography. I don't know as much about that that side, but um, with uh, audio and and uh, video and especially streaming, I think um, this is the new thing, and this is this is uh, a new opportunity for advertisers to um, to maybe come in and 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 make a difference. Because I don't think I don't look at banner ads. I don't look at AdSense as a web user. I could give a crap what's on your website. Right. You know, I just ignore that, just like I ignore the commercials on television. I mean, when I go to a website, it's like half the time I just block it through Firefox, through script block- blocking. I don't want to see that. I just want to see your content. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Right, but on the other hand, I might come forth and show you a product or a service that's really useful and interesting to you, and you know you find valuable, and so you then go sign up and pay money for it. And hey, I provided you with an affiliate link over to their website, and so now I get some money back for that. I think that you know the the revenue models you know are changing and are different for different things. But. Right, um, but uh, my point is, um, my point is there. You need to find a different way to do that uh, rather than uh, banner ads and AdSense. Right, that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Higher touch, you know. Right. Uh, a better pitch, um, you know, maybe through your podcast that you're now going to start on your on your blog, you know, those sorts of things. Live stream, who knows? A live seminar that's sponsored. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Live stream, or you know, I've you know, maybe take you know. A bunch of content that I provided in little bitty pieces over blog posts over a several month period, package it all up in you know a big ebook format and charge you some money to you know buy the ebook and you can get it all bundled up together for convenience. Um, yeah, I mean there's a lot of different you know different ways to you know to make a few dollars and that's the thing is just kind of diversify that with a bunch of different streams maybe. You know, maybe instead of, um, you know, running AdSense, I start running some, you know, direct ad sales for services or products that are very targeted to, you know, to my market. So instead of trusting Google to, you know, contextually guess what sorts of people are reading my website and are going to click on the ads, you know, maybe I find a product that I know that photographers or social media people are looking for. And so I make a deal with them to say, hey, just cut me a check for X dollars and I'll throw your banner ad up there for a month or vice versa. Yeah. Um, I should point out in the chat room, excuse me. Um, blaze streaming. Who's in the chat room right now. Um, who was, did the venture was, you know, the streaming and some other streaming word camp and that, uh, right. he, he, he pointed out that the advertiser must match the content and be of value to the audience. And I think that's where um, content producers and consultants really come into play, is where you're actually trying to match the product, trying to match the advertiser um, with their message and the content. So it's not this, I'm out there selling you, like you said, uh, I come to you, it's not a banner ad, but it's like, because I'm listening to Aaron Hockley and learning about photography, um, you're going to show me something that I'm going to be very interested in, or at least have right. a high it's, interest. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when I first started Social Photo Talk, I mean, I've got a couple AdSense blocks on the side, and frankly, they're not making me you know, virtually nothing as far as money goes. Um, you know, at first, use the word social out on the website, talking about social media, social networking. Google was throwing up ads for, like, social security services, social, you know, social workers, things like social that. Social diseases. Complete, yeah, completely <laughs> off topic for my audience, but that's what Google thought, you know. Yeah, that's what Google thought would right. generate clicks, and it obviously didn't. <laughs> well, and like I say, that's all just the the. It's like commercials on TV. Irk. Yeah. You were going to weigh in here. One thing that we really have to realize is that it, that we are really global citizens. I might be Australian, but I'm also a global citizen. Who would have thought a few years ago that I would be talking to a guy in a studio in Portland? And the point that I'm sort of getting at here is that I could, for instance, sign up with a um, podcast network, but because they're so American-centric, immediately half of the offers might not be available to half of my audience. That's a good point, and um, I I also wonder how the opposite is true. How, um, I mean, you know, when when you came up here to Portland through the connections in podcasting, and we met, uh, we talked a lot about production and gear, and just literally the gear, and it's the same gear uh, that you and I use, whether you're in Australia or the United States or Europe or wherever. Same techniques, same gear. So there's also a globalization of, of those solutions, too. So an advertiser, say, um, I'll take the example, say I'm a company in Portland, Oregon, that sells some piece of gear or some piece of software that will help you podcast. If you hear about it from me, you might be interested in it um, as well. And uh, and that... Uh, uh, broadens the reach of that company coming out of the Portland in the United States into your market in Australia. Wouldn't you agree? A classic example of that is when we try to watch American television with things like Hulu. Now, you you can watch whatever you want, but when it comes to me, it detects, oh, no, you know, this guy is evil. He's coming from Australia. We don't want his advertising. We don't want to sell advertising to this guy because he's coming from Australia. We can't watch Hulu. It says, you are in Australia, you're blocked. Um, Google Voice, exactly the same thing. I had to line it up with another podcaster so I could get Google Voice so I can have an American phone number for my podcast for my voicemail. But I have had more people use the American number than I have had the Australian number. And so why should I be discriminated against because I'm in Australia? I'm a consumer, but I'm also a producer. So I should be able to have access to the American market. Yeah, the 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 global market thing is interesting because it's totally a mixed bag. I mean, there's services that, you know, otherwise might not have been available to a wider community that now are able to be, but on the other hand, that also brings up the whole global communication 
situation where, you know, now when you're looking for a web designer, you're not just competing with the guys in your town, you're competing with the guys across the country or the world who could provide that same service. Your comment to that, Eric? Exactly right. Everything is just a fingertip away. If you are prepared in Australia to get your credit card out and be charged some of the really absorbent fees that that we get charged, Uh, for instance, they're trying to finally introduce the Kindle to Australia with something like a 40% markup, but it's it's the same Kindle. It should be the same... Uh, content that we can get from America, but because we're quote unquote overseas and we're in a different market, we're potentially getting charged forty percent more, and I don't think that's necessarily right. So, so the money making thing here is the workaround. Is ha ha ha, you know, the people who are designing the software and the hardware to work around your problem in your region. Right. I mean, if you look at what you can do, like to watch television with a sling box or something like that, right? You and I could both get sling boxes, and and then I could watch Australian television free and clear, and you could watch your Hulu or you know vice versa. Um, you know, so maybe that's a big play is uh, breaking down the uh, regional and global uh, barriers. Uh, with uh, local products. I don't see in this day and age why we have so many restrictions on things that are only specific to a certain country. Like you have different software that might only be available in certain countries. Or I come back to to Hulu or I come back to um, Google Voice. And Google Voice is the best example that I had. When I was in the United States, I requested a invite for Google Voice using my Gmail account. They know that I'm usually in Australia, but at that time I was in America. But by the time that they actually sent the request back to me to say, hey, you've been invited to Google Voice, I was all like, excellent, that's really cool. I can use Google Voice now. And as soon as I clicked on the link... It said, oh, too bad, buddy, you're in Australia. You're just going to have to wait like the rest of the world. And I don't think that's right. I agree. Yeah, and I don't know know how much of that might have to do with, like, you know, government, telco, regulation. It has everything to do with it, I I think. A lot of it. I'll I'll give you another example. Um, I recently have gone to the dark side and I now have an iPhone. So next time I come to Portland, if I bring the iPhone, um, I won't get stopped at the border and says, you can't come in unless you've got an iPhone. (laughs) Now, I understand the whole AT&T thing in relation to the iPhone where you've got one carrier for the iPhone. However, in Australia, we have multiple carriers with our iPhone. But when it comes to Skype, I can't use my Skype over 3G. I can only use it over Wi-Fi like everyone else because of the exclusive agreement with AT&T and Apple. So why in Australia, I don't care about AT&T, it doesn't affect me. Why do I have to put up with that restriction on my Skype just because of your exclusive agreement? 
Agreed. Makes no sense. I mean, it, 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 and there's multiple examples of that. Um, I think, and, and you you point out one of the classic ones. Mm-hmm. When I had my Nokia N95, I was able to go over both Wi-Fi and 3G. But because I now have an iPhone, even though we have multiple carriers in Australia, oh, no, you can only use it over Wi-Fi now. You can't use it over 3G. So what's the difference between me using Skype on an N95 and me using Skype over an iPhone? Yeah. It's an unnatural restriction. Aaron, you got any... Last words to say. I know you need to uh, get going. I think we both uh, have little ones that we have to put to bed here pretty soon. Exactly. Um, I guess my only final comment was it was interesting. We talked about you know making money on Twitter. I just got a direct message from somebody um, whose website I'd, I'd thrown out a link to her website saying, "Hey, just check out this cool website. It's a random photography, you know, like exploring." the area kind of site that I threw a link out to a few days ago. She just DM me and said, Hey, thanks for mentioning my site. I'd love to chat with you sometime about taking some photos of me and my business partner. And so it's like, there's, you know, there's a business lead that just came in over Twitter and, you know, (laughs) who knows what that will become, but you know, that's something that if you're not doing the Twitter thing, you never would have had that opportunity. So Apparently, I, I, I made a lead on Twitter just while I was standing here tonight. So that uh, that uh, marketing uh, Hockley is uh, slowly but uh, but surely uh, paying off there, just like the uh, person who got the uh, WordCamp uh, um, consulting gig uh, as someone saw them give a presentation on the uh, on the stream. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I know, again, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, I mean, like you said, you know, is it a loss leader, you're doing this stuff, you're producing this content, um, you know, to a certain extent it is, but it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing leads and revenue opportunities that are developing, and I'm, you know, I mean, I photographed an event, you know, a few days ago that was, you know, people I've met through the social media scene in Portland, and, you know, a few, you know, a week prior to that, I went out and photographed some commercial work through someone who I met, who is another author on a group blog that I write on. So, I mean, all of those are people that I've met directly through social media, either online or you know, offline meetups related to online stuff, um, and I'm making money off of them. So, you know, it's not just you know tweeting about the sandwich you ate for lunch. Kirk, any final words as we wrap this up? I've got to say that Twitter has been absolutely great for my social life. Not necessarily for my love life, but definitely for my social (laughs) life. The trip to America was only really made possible and made better uh, by podcasting and social media and Twitter and that sort of stuff. And hopefully I'll be back um, sometime in 2010. It'll be it'll be really great, and I've had a great time. Well, we'll we hope you come back as well, and uh, I also hope we uh, we do this again uh, very soon. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what I'm going to do uh, tomorrow, um, 
because we are working one of our reg- regularly scheduled podcasts. But I'd like to say thanks to uh, Aaron Hockley and uh, Irk uh, from Australia for joining me tonight. Uh, it's been an interesting conversation. Um, hopefully we have more of these. Um, this is uh, my Napod Pomo 2009 project. Um, we'll have your red, regularly scheduled Meme PDX and uh, Strange Love Live as normal, but uh, in between those times, uh, we're going to give you some fresh new content, and this is just one of the ideas that popped in my head on uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I call this crazy talk. It's your rants, it's your concerns, it's, it's podcasting and live streaming. It's anything you want it to be. It's not TV. It's not radio. Um, thank you guys for joining me. Say goodnight. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Portland. Good night, all. <laughs>